I put this in your notes because I think it's important to remember if we decide we're going to, to parent and we want to parent well, we've got to figure out that it's important to have a plan. So if you got your notes, you can take those out and follow along. And I hope you did bring those, get those notes at the, at the front when you, when you came in. I see sometimes people are like, nah, I don't need any notes. Sometimes I see men, and I don't want to be mean with this, but sometimes I see men pass on taking the message notes and the connect card. They let their wife do it. But they don't need, to. my wife takes my notes for me. What? You're, my wife doesn't take my spiritual next steps for me. You're responsible for yourself. So, you know, hey, we'll step up men and lead our families. And one of the things we can do is set the example by being attentive, taking good notes, filling out our own connect card, taking our own bold steps in our journey with God. But I put this in your notes. You've got to decide to have a plan. And a lot of people enter into parenting and they do not they do not have a plan. They don't think about it from a planning perspective. A very famous scripture in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says this. It says, start children off in the way that they should go. Even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Uh, this text can be broken down in a lot of different ways, but for the purposes of what I wanted to share, it says should go. There's a way your kids should go, which means as a parent, there's a way to kind of prepare to set them out on a course in which they should go. When you decide to get married and have kids, it's one of the topics you should talk about. You're marrying somebody and we have kids. Is it possible that, that you, uh, you were brought up one way and your spouse-to-be is brought up a different way? Is it possible that you have your own ideas about what parenting should be and they have their own ideas about parenting and what it should be? And if we don't mesh those together and determine as a household what is the best? How many of you know, by the way, that the person you marry can deeply affect parenting? Yes. Right? That's why we do a little, little premarital counseling and talk about this. We bring it up because they're not thinking about it. They're like, we're just going to get married, you know, and it's going to be a great honeymoon. But, but what happens when kids come and how are we going to handle all of those situations? And, and we talk about what do you think about discipline and we, all that. And so that becomes important. It's a part of a couple saying, okay, I have this family of origin. We talked about family of origin last week, how much it impacts our marriages and our parenting and I had this family of origin, they had that, let's discuss it together. Don't forget, in this series, uh, as a part of having a plan, we want to partner with you by offering you some recommendations on resources. So, uh, we put together some resources. I shared this with you last week. If you weren't here, we uh, have some staff recommendations. And those are available to view on the back of your outline that you got when you came in. There's a QR code. If you know what that is, a QR code, you can scan it, click on the link to the website, and it'll pull up all of those recommended resources and where you can purchase them from. You're not purchasing from us. Just wherever they're available to be purchased. And uh, you can acquire them if you like one or two of them. Feel free to to order those, and there's a, a, also a written out link. If you don't know how to use QR code, you want to just type it in the address bar on your internet browser, you can do that as well, and that, that address link is written there in your message notes. All of those resources are right outside the hall on the right-hand side where you can thumb through them, check them out. Don't steal them, please. Please leave them there, but you can thumb through them, check them out, see which ones you like, and then maybe then make the order of which ones you want to order. 
but you have a plan. You start thinking through, like, how, how are we going to do this together? And having a plan is critical. Now what I want to do is spend some time talking to you about things that my wife and I, and we are not the perfect parents. We didn't get it all together correctly. My youngest is 19. And she's a few days away from leaving the home and like this coming week. And so we, we're kind of coming to the end of that time where we've got raised our kids. We didn't always get it right, but we had established some things, my wife and I, that we knew we were going to do in our home when it came to like setting some, some examples and, and setting the bar high in our home. And I want to share this with you because several weeks ago, we got together a couple of months ago, said, what are we going to talk about in week two of this series? And they said, what about house rules? Like, Pastor Gary, what are the things that you and your wife kind of embrace? And so I put some together for each of you, and I think that you will find them to be valuable. And here's the first one. We have established in our home belief. I'm, gonna, I'm not talking about spiritual belief necessarily right here. We're going to talk more about that next week. I'm talking about something very different. We established belief that parenting was a really big deal. I know that sound, you're like, oh yeah, that sounds very obvious. <laughs> not at the, for some people, not at the level I'm talking about. Like for us, for my wife and I, it's God, it's our marriage, and then it's our parenting. And this is the way it's got to be. And we're fighting tooth and nail for these couple decades that we've had our kids in our home to be the parents that we need to be. Of course, you never stop parenting, but we've been on this journey where we said these are things that are critical. If you don't see parenting as this unbelievable calling, this moment of your life that God has entrusted you with something valuable, your home just becomes a bed and breakfast. You know, we just eat and sleep and that's it. And no parent has children and says, I want my home to be a bed and breakfast. But sometimes that ends up happening if we don't have a plan, we don't have some kind of house rules and things that we establish along the way. This is about you understanding the deep level of influence you have as a parent. You know, sometimes I hear parents will say, they'll say, man, I am so worried when my kids leave the home, I'm worried, or when they, leave, they go out for the day at school or wherever, I'm worried about all the external influences that might affect them. And I think that's a reasonable thing to say. But here's what you need to know. If you take your role seriously as a parent, those external influences will be like nothing compared to what you're able to influence and do in the home. They way outweigh anything that takes place outside the home. In other words, if we kind of put it in percentages, like what kids are seeing and looking for and caring about in their life is the deep influences they are getting at home, whether they would admit it or not, that is a powerful place of influence. And so you take that influence seriously, you're influencing their actions, their values, their belief. You are the greatest influence. Kids tell us all the time, like, who do you want to be or who do you see or who, who would you like to be the greatest heroes of your life? When they're little, they'll say mom and dad. My mom and my dad, they're, my, they're heroes of mine. Why do kids say that? Because they're wired that way. Because they want to look up to mom and dad. They want to see the influence that you bring to the table. But if you don't take that role seriously, you will abdicate, you will miss great opportunities for influence. Here's what it says in Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord, whether you foster, whether you adopt, whatever opportunities you have with children biologically, they are a reward from him. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. 
it says that kids are a gift from God. What do you do when you've been offered a gift from God? You treat it as though it is the very best thing. And kids are that. Jesus puts his stamp on this, of course, in Matthew chapter 9. Or Mark chapter 9, here's what it says. He took a little child, had him stand among them, uh, taking him in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And doesn't just welcome me, but they welcome the one who sent me. Jesus is saying right here, he's saying, hey, kids are a big deal. They, when you bring them in, when you understand how to deal with children, you are bringing influence to the table and you are affecting them. You are affecting them powerfully. You are seeing a child that represents ultimately a great gift from the heavenly father. It is a part of your destiny. It is a part of your job description. It is a part of the great interest that you have when you become a parent to see the value of parenting. Sometimes parents will say and they'll be moan. They'll be like, man, it has been quite a sacrifice raising my kids. Yes, <laughs> it will be a sacrifice. You hear like a woe is me sort of mentality. Like you don't know, Pastor Gary, the things that we've sacrificed to be good parents. Yes, <laughs> if you're going to be a great parent, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice financially. You're going to sacrifice social status at times or activities, recreational, things that you used to do, things that you once did. You're going to sacrifice those things because of this role of influence that you have as a parent. Like you're going to, there's things that are going to change deeply in your life. I, I can remember for my wife and I, we, uh, she is in the middle, of, she, we, she had just, I mean, completed her master's degree and it was a public health master's degree and she, she had an opportunity for a great job. You know, at the time it was six figures and, you know, during this time, was six figures was really a big deal. And, and they, it was great and I was already making that at my job, it was before ministry, and I was sitting here thinking, we are about to live high on the hog. But she was pregnant with our first child and one evening she came to me and said, I've been praying about this and I just want you to know, I feel like God is leading me to be a stay-at-home mom for the next couple decades. And in a moment, I'm thinking about flashing before my eyes, the cars, the home. I'm like, this all on me now. I right, here we go. But I didn't have to pray about that. I mean, I, this was important. And if something's important to her, I said, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're, I, you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, and you're going to do that. And there was a, obviously a financial sacrifice, a status sacrifice, whatever it is. I remember one time a family member came up to my wife and said, uh, uh, said, you are so lucky to be able to stay at home with your children because she was not able to. My wife said, it's not luck. Like, it's been a sacrifice for this to happen. Like, we've, we've had to do this. And, you know, while this family member was driving two brand new cars, they had two homes and two different mortgages that they were working day and night to pay for, we had one home and we were driving beater cars. Still are, one of them today. Because we've made some of those financial sacrifices, status sacrifices, whatever it is, to say, this is what needs to happen. I, hear me, I'm not here to suggest that stay, being a stay-at-home stay parent is the thing that you need to do. I, I, you're a single mom, like, this is not even possible. 
Uh, so I understand that. I say that to say we made sacrifices, you make sacrifices. If you're not sacrificing, maybe you don't see this position as maybe what it is because it is a journey of investment, of deep level influence. Great parenting starts with understanding that this is not an obligation. This is a God calling for your life. What is it in your career? What is it that you understand that you have sacrificed in life or are willing to put down, lay on the line so that you can do the job of being the high calling of being a great parent? Uh, I, I would say this, if you understand the level of parenting that God has called you to, the next time, and maybe this would be my hope for everybody as a parent here in this audience, the next time somebody comes to you and says, what do you do for a living? You say, well, here's what I do for a living. I'm in charge of socializing two homo sapiens and the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments of the kingdom of God and the transformation of the social order into the theologically described utopian inherent in the echelon that God has prescribed. What do you do for a living? Oh, you're just a doctor? I'm a parent. I'm a parent. Because that's how big of a role this is. It is a high God calling. If you don't believe in the value of your role as a parent, you will never value your role as a parent. And you will not see it in the appropriate order that it needs to be. Now, I share these things with you. Some of you, maybe you're, you're like, okay, I get it, and this needs to happen, or I need to learn some things more about parenting. I said at the beginning, we're continuing to partner with you. Last week, I said you can write on your Connect card if you're interested in attending a free parenting class that we're gonna offer one night here at the church. Actually, we're offering it two nights. It's a one-night class, but we're offering it on two different nights to work kind of with your schedules. These are Saturday nights after Saturday night church, so you can come to the second service, Stay for, this, uh, stay for this little gathering that we're having, uh, or come to the first service, excuse me, and the second service, you're gonna attend this little gathering. Last week we had something like, um, if I remember right, maybe 120 or 130 families say they were interested in coming to this gathering. And so if, uh, if you weren't here last week and you're like, it's free, free childcare, free class. If you're interested in coming to this one night event, try to figure out which night you're coming. Just write parenting on the back of your connect card, circle it, drop it in the buckets when the buckets pass, and we will put you in a queue. If you give us a legible email address, we will put you in a queue in which uh, we will keep you posted about this upcoming gathering that we're having to help more with parenting. Here's the second thing I put in your notes. Role model. We decided very early on in our parenting, that we needed to be role models for our children. Yes, influence, I talked about that already. And so we, were gonna t we understood that what I was modeling as a man was what it means to be a good husband, what my daughters should be looking for one day in a husband. I knew that I was modeling what fathering would be to my daughters and know uh, what they should be looking for one day if their husband becomes a, a father. I just wanted to model all of that for my kids, I wanted to model being a Christian man. I wanted to model of being a Christian in general. And so I had that role, same things for, for my wife on her side of things. And so we just knew that our kids were paying close attention to us along the way. And here's what the science and psychology tells us, that healthy kids come out of healthy homes, all had adults who were in their life that they could look up to that were very healthy and cheered them on along the way. They just did. And that healthy role that you are embracing as a parent is critical in that journey. Now, 
Uh, I put in my notes that um, there are two role models in our culture. We Pretty much you can boil it down to two different groups. There's the parent role model, and then there's other, other humans. And all of them, you know, have a part in this. But uh, I just want to focus first uh, a little bit of our time here just on the parent role model and help you understand, if you haven't figured this out already, your kids are watching everything you do. And so every little moment, thousands and thousands and thousands of moments that you are encountering, it all adds up because they're paying attention to all of it. How you talk to one another, treat people, treat one another in the marriage, uh, how you handle your finances, how much alcohol you drink, substances you put in your body, how you resolve conflict, how you treat strangers. They are paying attention. Let me just say, your house is under 247 surveillance. It is bugged. And they are watching all of it. You want to talk about identity theft? They are stealing your identity. Now, your goal as a great parent is to hope that they steal the very best of your identity that you have to offer. But they're watching all of it. They see it. The good, the bad, the ugly. We talked about healthy outcomes last week of things like conviction and confidence and character and compassion and competency in life, and they need to see that. And if they don't see that in your life being modeled, you can blab about it to them all you want, but they will not pick up on it unless they see you living it out. They are paying attention to what it is, the examples that you are setting for them in your life. Under the banner of role models, I put three things that I want to bring to your attention that we found to be pretty critical for our, our journey as parents as being a role model. The first one is modeling integrity. Integrity was modeled for me growing up, and you know, sometimes, okay, we're going to model integrity in the home, and the studies are telling us that integ integrity is struggling in homes today. In fact, just in the school system, I was hearing a study the other day where they were talking about how hard it is right now in the school system to manage keeping kids from cheating on exams. It's just constant. It's everywhere. They put so much effort into it. Well, where did kids pick up this value of low integrity when they go to school? Well, they pick it up from places. And oftentimes, they're picking it up from what's happening at home. They watch you and I compromise the truth, and then they exit the home and they compromise the truth. It becomes such an easy thing for them. And it bleeds into all kinds of areas of their life. Low integrity becomes a consistent part of their life. And they see things like when you avoid the creditors or you don't pay your bills. They see it and they know. Like mom and dad aren't good on their word when it comes to paying bills. Uh, they see it when you go to the restaurant and you say, it says kids 12 and under have a much cheaper price. I know you're 13, tell them you're 12 so we can get the cheaper price. Some of you are like, oh, crud. I'll stop with that example right there. But it's all kinds of little moments, big moments where they watch and they are catching on. Remember, they are paying attention. It is, it is 247. Surveillance, I love what it says in the scriptures in First Chronicles chapter 29. It says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and you are pleased, God says, I am pleased with what? Integrity. God loves integrity. So let me give you a little advice. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're going, well, we've blown it here sometimes. 
here's what you do. If you decide you really want to start modeling integrity going forward as a parent, you sit down with your family and say, I messed it up. You be honest with them. I mentioned last week, it's one of the great challenges for somebody developing successful parenting going forward is their inability to humble themselves, humble themselves before God, humble themselves before their family and say, I messed it up. But our kids already know you mess it up. They know you're not perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about you and I saying, okay, we, we haven't gotten this right at times, and we're going to be on a mission as parents to model integrity better because it is right for our home. It's for our, right for our family. It's right when you leave this home. Here's another thing. We model a deepening of our faith. Our kids know that mom and dad are on a deeper and deeper faith journey along the way. They know that we uh, are been on this journey together in the home, and they, they see it. Now, I recognize some of you are here, and you're going, well, deepening of faith. I'm not even a believer, Pastor Gary. So, and, and if that's your story, and every weekend we have people here that aren't believers. They're checking out the God scene, trying to understand it. If that's you, you're in a safe place, and we're glad you're here checking things out. But some of you who call yourselves Christ followers, Christians, you ought to be modeling a deepening of your faith in your prayer time, in your devotion times, in your, your, the, your part of the work of a believer and being obedient to Jesus Christ. They ought to see that being modeled. There's more to modeling your faith than just coming to church or wearing a cross around your neck. There is a deepening thing. I know some of you are like, come to church. Pastor Gary, I don't think you understand how hard it is just to get to church. Like, that's a big deal for me right now, getting my kids up, getting them here, trying to get them checked in, not to mention on Sundays especially, it's like six flags over Jesus in the parking lot out here trying to get into the building. And so how does all this happen? And you get here, and so you're like, man, that's a big deal. Okay, great, you're getting here. But they need to see more than that. They need to see that you're growing along the way. And our kids knew that, hey, mom and dad care deeply about their faith. The scriptures tell us in Deuteronomy 6, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments, these are the commandments I give you today, they're to be on your heart. And then look what it says. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And then this last part. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Foreheads is a reference to head knowledge. Hands are reference to doing in the faith. Kids need to see it both. They need to understand head knowledge, and they also need to see mom and dad doing in the faith. Both. Right? So if, if your kids just grow up and see you go to church, but that's it, you're not involved in the body of believers, you're not rooted, you're not engrafted in the body of believers, you're not serving, giving, all these other things, and being a part of obedient, growing in the walk with God, if all they see is we just go to church, well, that's what they grow up and do. If, they're, if at, any, at most, they just maybe attend church. In our culture, in American culture today, it's one of the great struggles we face in the churches. Lots of people like to come sit in church, but they're not actually becoming doers of the word. And kids need to see, they need to be raised up in homes where they see mom and dad not just hearing the word, but doing the word, letting it play out regularly in their life. Kids don't need to see a perfect dad. What kids need to see is a dad who loves God so badly 
that he wants to live a life completely directed by God's ways. Kids don't need a perfect mom. What they need is a mom that they see loves Jesus Christ, she's not compromising in her life, and she has committed a life to Jesus Christ. That's what they want. They're craving to see something different in this messy world. I hear some parents, and I want to address this. Probably every time I talk about parenting, I address this, but I hear it all the time, so I just want to make sure I address it. Sometimes a parent will say to me, I just don't want to impose my faith on my kids. I want them to discover it on their own. And when I hear that, I don't do this, but I want to slap somebody upside the head. I won't do it. I'm a pastor. That's the equivalent to me of saying, uh, I want my kids to discover Coke and meth on their own, and I don't want to impose my will in knowing that it's bad for them. What? You would never do that. And you wouldn't do that with the most important thing in their life their faith journey, the foundation that they're gonna have when the chips are down and life is tough 20 years from now. Uh, you're, you're, not gonna, you're, not, you're not gonna just leave it to chance, their eternal salvation. Uh, you are, they live under your roof, man. You're paying the freaking bills. They go, impose it. Bring them to church. Let them know about the most important thing they can discover in their life, a relationship with their heavenly father, their creator. I know that starting a, this spiritual journey as a family is not easy. We have people, our church is loaded every weekend with people going, I don't know how to do this. Great. Um, we're just trying to help. We got the parenting class, something else I talked about last week, and I'll bring it up again. Last week, I said, uh, if you're trying to start how, praying with your family and you've never done that before, I, I want to give you a little helper. I've recorded a little video and sent it out last week. I think 170 people wrote on their Connect card last week that they wanted to see that video. If you're interested in that video, what I do is I talk about how to start praying with your family, and I talked about how to start doing a little Devo with your family. And I just kind of laid it out there. If you want that video, because you weren't here last week or you didn't get it or whatever, uh, write on your Connect card the word Devo, D-E-V-O. I'll send you that link. So you, just a few-minute tutorial or helper on how to start doing this as a parent in your household, I'd love to get that in your hands. And the other thing about this role modeling is people of faith. We're building, we're, we're, we're building this role modeling not just around, we're building this role modeling not just around our, our own home. We're inviting people in on this journey who also can be role models to our children. Now, again, the great influence is you as mom and dad. But the more you're engrafted in settings in which people are godly role models, the more you've dug into your church, right? You're not just like once every six weeks kind of, the more you're dug in, the more you're plugged in and grafted in, rooted in the body of believers, the more your kids and your family gets connected with others who can become role models to them. Like we have a kids ministry across the hall and those leaders over there are modeling the life of Jesus Christ for your kids so that they can learn more. They're not the primary role model, but they're just another figure in their life. And they're consistently over there, and they're consistently understanding some role model truths about their faith. We have our student nights on Wednesday nights. Did y'all know we have Wednesday night youth nights? Did you know that? Okay, a few of you knew that. Yeah, that's where our middle schoolers and high schoolers come. And there's role models there who are laying down a foundation of what it means to be somebody who follows Jesus Christ. 
in their life, starting with Pastor Rusty and working its way down. And so you, you bring your kids there regularly, not because they're going to be the only role model, it just becomes kind of a part of this. You're involved in small groups and you're connected more with people who could be potentially those role models for you and your family. Here's the next thing. We embraced as a house rule, my wife and I, that we would be a building up, encouraging family. We build up in our home. I guess the opposite is to tear down, so we're not doing that. But it was a constant, has been a constant effort of encouragement. Let me give you a little piece of advice. If you can sense today that your children are breathing, encourage them. That's a good rule of thumb because they need it. Now more than ever with what takes place sometimes outside the home. Uh, they are getting beat down when they leave the home at times. There's nobody that ever said, man, you need to stop encouraging me like you are killing me with all the kindness. Nobody says that. And so it's okay to just pour it on at home at times because uh, they can get a tremendous head start in life, healthier outcomes when they have encouragement in their home. Now, some of you struggle with this encouraging because you didn't get it in your own home growing up. And the amount of courage, encouragement you can give comes up to about the ankles to somebody else. Your kids need it in the heart. They need it all the way filled up. It needs to be constant. It needs to be consistent. I mentioned before about some of the things that you know, we face in our culture today, but if you were to just imagine in your mind a hallway of your life, and on the right-hand side, hanging on the wall, is all the moments and encounters of people, pictures, or just words that somebody said to you that were so positive and uplifting for your life. And on the other side of the hall, there were words and pictures of people who spoke hurtful words to you in your life, damaged you. For a lot of people, a lot of kids today, and even probably for a lot of you here in this room, the side of the wall of hurtful words is much longer and filled with more photos or images in your mind than the things that you can recall of positivity. And it ought not be that way because, my goodness, even, again, the science tells us that, that the hurtful words last longer sometimes. And to overcome the hurtful words, you need way 10 times more encouragement in your life to overcome the hurtful things because, again, they can last, seem to last forever. And so that's why your kids need an overwhelming amount of encouragement to kind of overcome some of the hurtful things that, that we encounter. I've, I've, I've been on these trips with these men, a wild at heart trip we take every year. And the amount of times where I talk to men that say they never heard from their father encouraging words, it's, it's growing every year. In fact, early on when we started doing the Wild at Heart trip like 11 years ago, I might ask a survey of the men. How many of you men ever uh, went through your life never hearing the words, I love you from your father? It used to be maybe one or two. Now it's, every year it's growing. 10, 15 guys never really heard it much anyways from their father. And it's going to happen in a home today. And that becomes, it becomes hard for you to encourage and love your kids because this was the story of what you encountered growing up. So I understand that's not easy, but you need to remember uh, that uh, how these outcomes play out in the mind of a child that, that grows up. There's this old saying, and maybe you heard it. Um, it said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And whoever came up with that is an idiot because words hurt. 
oftentimes way more than physical, right? A physical injury can heal in days or weeks or months. But you know, some of you know that an encounter with verbal words can affect you for years, years, maybe all the way through your life if you're not careful and don't deal with it properly. So we know that hurtful words, they they stay. In fact, they'll say our brain has the exact same response as a physical hurt to an emotional or word hurt. Same response. It puts up the same fearful responses, the same walls of protection to protect your heart and your mind going forward. And then we also know, as I said, physical injuries can heal quicker, but the reactions of the mind are the same. And so our kids need people in their homes who are cheerleaders, who say, I believe in you. Proverbs 12 says, careless words stab like a sword. So we know that, and we know it's true. Sometimes it's little things, like we're just standing there talking with other people and say, oh, this is my shy daughter. And it sticks. And they hear that, and, and it impacts them. This is my, my, my demon child over here, or some word like that. And they hear it, and those words are powerful. So we're either building up the confidence in them or we're destroying that confidence and we need to load up on confidence building. I put in your notes a couple helpers with this, see positive and say positive. So when you start seeing them doing little things right, say it and just say, good job. You know, I don't know, they could finally after attempt a number 100 put their shoes at the door. Well, you say thank you for doing that. That's the toilet seat was put down. Finally, you know, and so you say it, say, like you woke up today, praise the Lord, you know, like I don't know, but you're encouraging every little thing that you can along the way where you can be positive in this journey. I hear some parents will say, it's so hard for me to encourage because they don't ever encourage me back. Duh, you're not going to get it back probably. And so you're just teaching this, you're just modeling it so that later on in life when they're mature enough, they can also hopefully become encouragers. Let me just say, as a church family, we ought to be encouragers when kids are around us. Hundreds of kids in our kids ministry, our student ministry, if you're ever around our kids, always be encouraging them at every single opportunity. I put this in your notes. Say your encouragement beyond performance. Whatever you got to say, Say it beyond performance. Uh, sometimes kids are shame-oriented in, the, in, your, in what they're getting from their parents. Sometimes they're performance-oriented in some kind of way or another. What we do when we make our only encouragement about performance is our kids leave the home and they become performance-based adults. And so this is why finding the moments to encourage all the time is so critical. You know, it's the dad who's got a son that plays sports and the dad is vicious to him when he doesn't play well on the field, but then encourages him when he does play well. Well, you're putting that child in a performance-based way of living, right? Our, our kids all played, my kids, they played sports, tennis, golf, uh, competition, cheer comps, things like that. And it didn't matter whether they played good or they played bad. When they came off the court, the course, the, the, whatever it was, they knew that they were unconditionally loved. And they got that from us. And so we kept away from performance-based encouragement. And I hear that some of you probably would hear what I'm saying and you're going, okay, Pastor Gary, I get it. I need to be more of an encourager. I just don't know how to do it. How do I do this? If I've never been taught it, how do I find these words? Well, 
The Bible is clear about this. And in Matthew 12, it says this, a good person produces good words. Where does it come from? From a good what? Heart. And an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. What you've got to do is take that hardened heart that you have and allow Jesus Christ to infiltrate it even more. You say, I'm already a Christian. You invite him in more and more, that softening of your heart, allowing you to be filled by the love of our Heavenly Father, and that love outflows from the heart and becomes something that you can use to speak well to the people around you. It takes an actual, legitimate, days, weeks, months, years effort of inviting God in and softening your heart more and more. Our kids need encouragement. Here's the last thing I put. And I probably had four or five more of these, but I just didn't have time. But here's a biggie for us. Our, our kids understood we were on a mission. We were, we were living on mission as a family. And I'll explain to you why. You say, well, you're a pastor's family. Of course you're on. No. Every home needs to teach their kids about mission. That's why in the faith, we are commanded to plug into the church, be a part of the body, be a part of the body of believers. It's one of the reasons why it's important. It's because not only are we being obedient to what the scriptures say in that, we're also modeling for our kids something big, which is there is a world outside of themselves. And we know this. It's hard. A kid grows up. It's about them. It's about them. About them, right? And then all of a sudden, they get into adulthood, and they have to understand Okay, it's about others. And that's hard to make that transition if, if they haven't been taught it growing up. So they end up growing up being as selfish as they were inside the home sometimes. And we see more and more of what's coming out of homes today. It's more and more selfishness. Just live for me and my own wants and my own desires. But when you live on mission in a home and your kids see you serving regularly, hey, mom and dad, they serve. Hey, mom and dad are generous financially because they care about helping others, especially know Jesus Christ. When they watch it play out and they start doing it themselves, they start serving, they start being charitable, generous, tithing, all those things. When they start doing it, they are getting outside of themselves. They're breaking the grip of greed in their life. They're encountering what it means to get outside of themselves. And so in a home that is modeling mission, you're able to produce that as sort of a side thing that's taking place all along over a two-decade period. Holy smokes, life's not about me. Do your family members around you, do they see mission? They see that playing out? Look, in the end of the day, you and I have got to learn all these, th- nobody, again, is the perfect parent, and, and, and there's nobody born with the amazing parenting gene. We learn it. And I've been trying to give you some helpers from, Scott, from God's word to make sure that we don't miss this mission that God has given each of us in our own life. And as a matter of fact, in God's word, where you have a long biography of somebody's life, you don't see, you, you see a lot of problems in parenting with a lot of biblical characters. You see the mistakes that they make. Right, David is revered in the scriptures as this amazing king. And yet David made a lot of mistakes in his parenting. And he messed some things up and it produced some unhealthy kids. It wasn't until late in his life where he finally realized some of this. And he had these very powerful words for Solomon. And here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Like, my time's up, he said. He says, Solomon, be strong, act like a man. How do, you act, how do you act like a man? What's real masculinity? Here it is. Walk in obedience to him. How do you act like a woman? 
Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees, commands, laws, regulations as is written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. You know what? Like, I don't want to miss that mission. Like, David, in these last moments, he's saying, you, you need to understand, like, this is what's best for your life. Don't miss this moment. I put in your notes uh, this little quote that I put there. It says that you can be on a mission to build your own kingdom and life, but easily forget the mission of your home, the God calling. Don't do that. Don't go an entire life missing out on the mission of your home because you are so interested in building your own personal kingdom or building your own personal wealth or your own social status or your own toys along the way. I said last week that maybe some of you haven't, you're in an empty nest situation or maybe you've done really well in parenting and you want to help some children in our community that don't have good parents and you're capable of doing that. I rolled out last week uh, that we are partnering with a foster care organization and that organization is, uh, is going to be coming here to do a presentation. Obviously not obligated. We're not signing you up for kids at this meeting. Uh, but if you want to know more about it from this Christian organization, I said last week, hey, as we talk about parenting, maybe this is something God, you feel like God's calling you to do. I just thought we should celebrate this. And I know they didn't sign up, but like 30-something people said they wanted to attend this meeting um, in, in a few weeks about fostering. So I love that. And I, again, maybe it turns out to be just one or two families that get it, but still, that's a big deal. And so if you have any interest in that, again, write fostering on the back of your Connect card, circle it, drop it in the bucket. We'll get you more information about this meeting that's coming up, send you some reminders about it as well. It's not for everybody. If God's calling you to do this, we'd love to have you be a part of that. One other thing before I close. Every year, I do lead a group of men on a trip where we recalibrate and learn what it means to be on mission in your home, in your life, if you're married, in your marriage, if you've got kids with your kids. It's a five-day journey that I take men on. Every year we take 40 guys. This will be our 11th or 12th trip coming up. I would love, if you're not signed up, to, I'd love for you to go. We have a women's trip. It happens in April. It's called Captivated. And so women... They have theirs. This is the men's trip coming up at the end of September. And I was informed, I don't know if the slots are gone because I shared this last night, but we have five, coming into the weekend, five slots available. And so if you're a guy and you say, I don't know what you're talking about, or I've been wanting to go, maybe you're a woman, you want to get this as a gift for somebody, a friend, you want to get this as a gift for somebody, first five were taken, we fill it up, it's done. And so if you have an interest in being a part of the Wild at Heart journey, with me, you want to just get more information. It sounds interesting. You don't know really what I'm talking about, though, right? W-A-H on the back of your Connect card for Wild at Heart. Circle it and drop it in the buckets, and we'll get you information about Wild at Heart, uh, that trip that's coming up in uh, about a month, actually. If you want information today or to sign up today, there's an information table down the hall on your left-hand side there where you can check it out and say, I'm interested in this Wild at Heart journey. They have people there that can answer your questions. There's a little video that we put together about Wild at Heart, and I just want you to watch it. It's about a minute long. Here it is.
first come, first serve, write W-A-H on your Connect card or go to the Connect table. We do that to help men on this journey when they need help as well. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for what we're learning in this series. We continue uh, to just seek you, God, and your wisdom. This world has a lot of ideas about the family, and right now, those ideas are, for the most part, very unhelpful. God, your word gives us bits and pieces and information. Sometimes it's wins in God's word and your word, God, and sometimes we, we learn from mistakes as well. That's why your word is so amazing because it has all the highs and lows that every human being experiences. And then we see, God, how to correct, how to live different. Father, we continue to pray you prompt us. Maybe there's a, a, a person here who's, no, you don't have kids, but living in integrity seems like a really good idea. And you're just praying, God, I, I, wanna, I wanna start living, uh, be, becoming somebody that can be a role model for young people, being, being somebody who, who's, who's willing to see that maybe one day if you're gonna have kids, you're gonna have it to be as a God calling, God priority, and how valuable that is to your life and to the kingdom of God. You're gonna maybe see what we're talking about today and say, I need to be on mission. I may not have kids, but I need to be on mission in life. Others of you with kids, God is convicting. These are changes that you sit down with your family and start making. God, I pray that you give courage and conviction and power and strength to make those changes. Father, I'm praying right now for somebody here who, who doesn't know you. And they would love to lead their family well. And they would love to lead a godly family, but if they don't have a relationship with God, you can take the first step today. Just surrender. You've been driving the car. You've been taking the wheel. You've been running the show. And you say, not, not anymore, God. I'm going to give you the wheel. I want to give you control of my life. I surrender. I understand that I can only have a relationship with you because of what Jesus did for me. On the cross, sin was forgiven. God, I want to receive that forgiveness now so that I can have a relationship with you. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. God, I am ready to have a relationship with you. I accept the gift of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of my sin. I'm going to turn to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.